every aspect of your life. What would you guys, what would be something that you could, you would make sure was completely okay? What would you, what would your life look like if you could control every aspect of it? No more debt. No more debt. Okay, that's a, I, I like that one. That's a good one. Anything else? Health. Health. Love. Anything else? No pain. So, life is unpredictable sometimes. Sometimes we we have things that, like, man, if I could control anything, if if I could have a, a perfect life, it would be like this, this, and this. We always have an understanding of life is not going to be always the way we want it. But there's times where we say, man, if I could just make it how I wanted it to be, I wouldn't have gone through this. I wouldn't have to go through this. I wouldn't be going through this right now. All my family would be completely okay. Um, my health would be perfect. Um, everybody would be getting along. You know, everybody wants, since the beginning of time, everybody has wanted a life, and they've pictured it, this is how I want it to be. Adam and Eve didn't, want, didn't plan on living the life they did. You know, two days later, they looked back and said, if I could have made that decision different, if I could have made that decision a little bit different, I would have done something different. And so many times we, we have this idea, like I've talked to my wife and we'll be sitting there talking. She's like, you know what, if I could just have it the way I want it, it would be perfect. And this would happen, this would happen, this would happen. And I, and I always get this smile on my face. She's like, are you laughing at me? I'm like, no. I just said, I, I love that you dream that way and that you desire to have a life that is just perfect. And we all want that perfect life. We want no pain, no debt, um, perfect relationships. We want something that is perfect. But we live in a fallen world. We look at life and we can open the curtain. We look outside and we see that we don't live in a perfect uh, life. So we would choose no problems, no trials, no tragedy. We would design the perfect life where nothing bad ever happened. Nothing bad. All, everything that we desire would happen. It would be like living in a Disney movie. You know, it would be like everything works out at the end. Everything looks perfect at the end. But life always doesn't work out that way. It doesn't always feel good and it always doesn't look good. Troubles happen. What happens is, is life happens and people start to wonder why it happens. You know, you look at the, the earthquake in Nepal, you look at a lot of the... I mean, we had an earthquake in Michigan, for crying out loud. I mean, it's... We look at life and we see all the tragedies. We look at all the, the bad things that have happened to us. Um, in our personal lives or if, if it's in a, a friend's life or we see just the different things in life and we're like, why does this happen? Why do we, why does this have to happen? And so what happens is, is this, people start to blame. Well, if God wouldn't have let this happen. If God wouldn't let this happen, we would be okay. God, why did you let this happen in our life? Or they blame the devil. Oh, you know, it's just the devil. He's, he's, he's attacking my life and, 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 I just, you know, that's, this is what's going on, and I feel like it's an attack. And then there's other things, and we blame people. Well, if this person hadn't done this to me, if this person hadn't said this about me or acted this way, I wouldn't be in the mess I'm in. I wouldn't be in the life I'm in if someone hadn't done this. So many times we try to figure out why things have happened. We, we say, okay... Well, this situation's going on, or this disaster's going on. Well, God, why did this happen? 
we're, we're not going to know why certain things happen. You know, we can't, we can't look at the earth and say, I know why this happened. I know why earthquakes happen and, and, you know, things happen. You know, we look at that plane crash a couple weeks ago with that pilot. Why did that happen? He, we don't know all the details of it. We have a, an understanding a little bit of the details of it that he was, you know, he was suicidal. But we look at that and those bad things happen. And all over the globe, we've got families asking, God, why did this happen? Or why did this happen? Why did God allow this to happen? And we try to wrap our heads around things, but sometimes there's just things we're not going to know. There's things that we're not going to know because that's not our call. We're not supposed to know everything. If we knew what everything, we, would, we wouldn't be human. God knows the hearts, the minds, and the intentions of everyone. He knows what is going on in the earth. He knows everything. But what we try to do is we try to step into that role and say, well, you know what, if I knew what was going on, I could solve the problem. Inside of us, we all try to be superheroes. We try to solve everybody's problems. We try to take care of everything that's bad that's going on in the world. And we try to, to, you know, we try to be everything to everybody. And we try to take care of those things. But there's things that we cannot take care of. There's things that we are not going to know why happen, they happen. And we have to just trust God that he's going to take care of it. Isaiah 55, you guys turn there for me. Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9. You guys have heard this verse before, probably. It says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. Verse 9. For, then, for as the heavens are, are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. God is basically telling us, He's telling Isaiah this, that what I, my, the way I'm thinking, the way I'm operating is such on a different level of what you're looking at. We look at cause and effect. God looks at the big picture. We look at someone did this to me and now my life is this way. Or something happened in my life now my life is this way. God, that's how we, we look at one situation to the next situation. God says, I see everything. I see from the moment you were born to the moment you're going to die. And he goes, I see this. We get so focused up on the two points in our life that we get wrapped up into it. And we're like, well, why did this happen? Why did this happen? God's like, I know what's going on. Trust that I know what's going on. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. What's going on in your life is, is on a different level of what we're looking at. Because we look at, man, this happened and now this is happening in my life. God's like, I know what's going on. Trust in me to take care of it. Sometimes in our life, we are... There's certain areas in our life that sometimes we look at it and say, you know what, man, I don't know what's going on. Why is this happening? My wife and I were talking about a situation that happened a couple years ago. We're like, why did, why did this happen? Why were, um, why were we going through this? And there's a couple different scenarios that we were playing through, we were talking about. And sometimes the situation is, is, just, is just this. It talks about, in John, it talks about that the devil is like a roaring lion. He walks around waiting for who he can devour. Sometimes he is walking around waiting for us to trip. Sometimes he's, he's waiting there. If you look at a lion, they don't just walk out in the middle of the, the field and chase after something. They sit and they stealth. If you, look, if you ever watch that, like the National Geographic Channel, you watch that these lions, they'll hunt in packs, and what they do is they lay in the grass that blends them in. So what the, the devil is trying to do, what he does, is he waits in the 
distance, he blends in, and what happens is he waits for us to trip up. And as soon as we trip up, boom, he attacks. You watch those lions, they wait, they wait, they wait, they crouch, they crouch. And they wait for someone to walk, uh, a gazelle, a zebra, whatever it is, to walk by. And that's what Satan is doing. He's waiting for you. So sometimes the situation you're in, he's a, it is an attack. It is the, the attack of the enemy in your life. Sometimes it's the mistakes you've made. Sometimes it's just, if you've ever talked to Sarah, she'll always say, there is no punishment. There's always consequences for your actions. Sometimes in our life we've done something, whether we've realized it or not, that have caused us to get into that situation. Sometimes it's, it's our words, it's our actions, it's our lifestyle, whatever it is, brings us into that situation. And then other times, it's just life happening. You can't control life. You can't control everything that goes on. We found that out last night, didn't we, Jordan? We can't control everything that goes on. We just find, we take, life happens and we're like, okay, how are we going to deal with this? How are we going to take care of what is happening in our life? So I, I, was, I was thinking about this, and I was going through some things. And first of all, we talked about the attack. Sometimes we are under attack. Sometimes Satan wants to destroy our lives. If you look at him throughout the, the, the entire history of the Bible, you see him as a deceiver. You see him as the accuser. You see him as someone who wants to trip them up and destroy what is happening. So if we're under attack. How do, we, how do we deal with an attack? First of all, we pray. We pray and allow God to deal with it. Exodus 14, 14 says, The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. So many times we try to take it in in our own actions. Well, I'm just going to tell the devil what to do, where to go, and how to go, and when to do it. But God says, you know what? Allow me to take care of it for you. Be still. You look at... Uh, the children of Israel, they walked around Jericho. They're, they're walking around silent for seven days, or excuse me, six days. And basically, God says, walk around, be still, be quiet, don't make a noise. Let me do the work for you. But then, the last day, they say, he says, when you walk around the last time, make a loud noise and shout to God. What God was telling them is, trust in me. Without, without using a lot of words, he's basically saying, I'm going to do this for you. Trust in me. Walk around. He was trying them and showing them that I will do this for you. But he says, you know what? Let me fight for you. Let the Lord God fight for you and be still. But so many times we try to, well, I'm just going to, I'm going to tell this person who did this to me or I'm going to tell what's going on. I'm going to talk. I'm going to tell it what to do and how to do it. But it doesn't work. You can, you can argue with a problem. You can argue with a situation. But when it comes down to it, the only thing that can change that situation is the Lord God. He's the only one that can change that situation for you. So be still and know that He is God. Be still and know that He will fight for you. He is on your side. He is not against you. He is for you. And we talked about how it's our fault. Sometimes we get ourselves into problems. My wife always says I'm an instigator. 
She's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know, not doing anything. She's like, are you causing problems again? I'm like, I'm not causing problems. I'm just shaking it up a little bit. And, um, and she's always like, you, you, need to, you need to stop that. But sometimes the fault is ours. Sometimes it, it was an, an accident. Sometimes it was um, something we said. Sometimes it was sin that led us into the area that we're in. Sometimes it was, it was um, an unintentional thing that led us into the, the lifestyle or the, 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 the ordeal that we're dealing with. And there's two things that we can do. If we're in an area, if we're under an attack, or excuse me, not under attack, but if we're dealing with an area that we're struggling in, and it's like, why am I in this situation? Why am I in this? We need to look and say, you know what? Well, how did I get here? Where did, it, where did it start? And who was involved in it? Because most of the time when it's our fault, there's other people involved. Most of the time when it's, when it's our fault, there's somebody else involved. Whether it's a relationship or a, or a job or, um, you know, whatever it is, there's always... It takes two people to argue kind of way, idea. If it's our fault, we need to repent. We need to ask God for forgiveness. We need to ask that person for forgiveness. You know, so many times we go through these areas, but we, we go through these trials in life, and they continue on farther than they should because we haven't went to that person, went to God, and said, you know what? I repent. I am sorry. Um... There's a word that we use a lot in the English language, and it's called apologize. You guys know what the root of that word means? It means to defend your stance. It means to defend the area that you're talking about. So when you walk up to somebody and say, I apologize, basically you're meaning, I'm sorry, but this. And so we don't, in our house, it may seem weird to you, but in our house we don't say apologize. We don't, tell, we don't tell our kids, go apologize to your sister. We, you say, you need to go ask for forgiveness from your sister. And then we tell the other one, you need to forgive your sister. Because what apology does, and there's a word for, in the Bible called, or that we use as Christians called apologetics. And it's the defense of what we believe. It's the defense of the scripture. So when we go to apologize to somebody, basically you're saying, I'm sorry, but not quite ready to admit that I was wrong. Here's the reason I did it. I'm sorry that I did it, but... And that word, in any conversation, is, is just not worth You know, I'm sorry, but, you know, this is the reason I did it. That's an apology. Repentance is, Lord, I am sorry for my sin. I turn my back to sin. I turn my face to you. An apology basically says, Lord, I'm sorry, but this is the reason I did it. God's not looking for an apology. He's looking for repentance. He's looking for our hearts. When we talk to someone that we've sinned against or they've sinned against us or whatever, we go to that person and say, you know what, I repent. I am sorry for what I did. I turn from that sin and I turn to you and want to fix that. I'm looking to fix that relationship. Acts 3.19. This is the NIV. It says, repent and then turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that, time, that the times of refreshing may come from the Lord. How many of you guys know when you, you've uh, repented to someone or repented to God, just the, the overwhelming feel of peace? Just like, man, I, I repented from this. God is just, I know that my sin is gone. And just the overwhelming peace that God brings upon you when, you, when you've made what was wrong right. 
when you've said, I repent from that, I turn my face to you, God, or when you've repented to someone and that relationship may not be perfect, but that peace comes over that, you know what, God, you told me to do this, I'm doing this, I've repented to that person, and now I feel your peace. Paul, or excuse me, not Paul, Luke is writing, he says, turn to God, turn from your sin, and let God refresh you. So when you're going through something, when you're going through whatever situation you're in, examine your heart. Examine it. Say, man, am I holding anything against someone? Or have I done something to someone that I need to repent for? Am I, have I done anything I need to repent to God? Examine your heart and say, you know, God, I need to do this. Go do what you need to do. And then allow God to refresh you. Bring fresh, allow the Holy Spirit to, to work in your life. So, there's three areas that we're going to go through. There's three areas that we're going to deal with. The first one, or excuse me, the last one is, or excuse me, second one. I can't even get this right. Second one, there we go. Wow. Um, Our fault, when we deal with that, most of the time the situation is is dealt with. It's over. We we can deal with that. But the third situation, finally got that one right, is um, life. Life comes. And I'll give you a simple way to deal with your problems in life. Address the situation and carry on. Address the situation and carry on. How do you do that? How, how do you address the situation and carry on? I know it's a simple phrase, and you're like, that doesn't help me. Things will happen. We will go through things, but sometimes how you go through them determines how you come out of them. So, you're going through trials, you're going through tribulations. James talks about it. We'll get into that in a couple minutes, but James talks about how when we go through those things, it produces something in us. It produces something from God in us. But, like I said, but we have to be active in that. When we're going through things, you can't just say, you know, I'm just going to sit here like a bump on a log and just... When it ends, it ends. I'm just going to hide away. I'm going to sleep all day. Whatever it is. So, how you go through it determines how you come out of it. First one is this attitude. How is your attitude when you're in a trial, when you're in a situation that doesn't look like you're going to make it through? What is your attitude? When it looks like all hell broke loose on you, when it looks like the situation is hopeless, how is your attitude? Philippians 2.14 says, do all things without complaining or bickering with each other. I like the first part. Do all things without complaining. That's one thing I tell my kids. If you complain, it's not going to work out for you. Our attitude and how we go through situations, how we go through life, when we're going through a trial, we're going through tribulations, as James says, our attitude is key. Our attitude is key because what happens is, our attitude is a representation of the other two that I will talk to you about. The other two will control your attitude. Think about this. When, when, when you've gone through something that you didn't want to deal with, dealing with somebody, dealing with a situation, what was your attitude like? How was your attitude towards that person, that situation? How did you deal with it? 
I'll just let you know I've dealt with some situations badly before. You can all raise your hands. We've all done that. But how are you going through your situation? How are you going through the things that you have in your life? Are you complaining about them? It just, oh, never, nothing ever works out for me. It's just, everything's bad. Um, God must hate me. You know, just the attitude of who you are. What you're dealing with, yes, nobody wants to deal with situations like that. Nobody wants to deal with tragedy and different things like that. But are you dealing with them and how is your attitude towards that? Because the attitude that you have going through it determines how you get out of it. Second one is this. This is a tough one. Words. Proverbs 18.21 says, Words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit you choose. How are you going to go through your situation, go through the trial, the tribulation, whatever it is, the situation that you're in, how are you going to go through it? What are your words going to be? Are your words going to be, you know what? Whatever. I, some of the words I probably can't even say. But how are your words going to change your situation? How are your words going to carry you through? Are you speaking what God says about you? Are you speaking what His Word says? Or are you speaking that everything sucks, everything's crappy, I don't want to deal with this anymore? How are you speaking that? And don't get me wrong, you're going to have times where it just feels like you need to vent. And I understand that there's times that it's just, that that's a feeling. God says, you know what, I'm going to fight for you. Fight for you, excuse me. But your words are going to carry you through. What are you speaking over your life? What are you speaking into your life? says, words kill or words give life. You will kill the situation or you'll bring life to the situation that you're in by what you're saying. What you're speaking over people. Are you speaking over the broken relationship that you have with life or are you speaking over it with death? Are you speaking the troubles you're going through at work or whatever it is with life or are you speaking them with death? Now, this job just sucks, and I hate it, and I hate everybody here I work with, so I just, you know, whatever. Most of the time, your words will get you in trouble doing that. When you're at work, and you're speaking that over yourself, and you're speaking that over your job, the people around you, it's going to start to show through your attitude. Oh, I hate my job, I hate my boss, blah, 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 this sucks, this sucks, this sucks, and then your attitude will start to change. Because you're speaking that over your life. Third one is this, thoughts. What is your thought life like? What are you dwelling on? The word says, take every thought captive. Take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So, are we thinking... Contrary to what his word says. Psalm 19.14 says, May the words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So our thoughts, our thought life will 
make or break us through the situation. David is is lumping up the words of his mouth and the meditation of his heart. Because out of the heart flows, the mouth will speak. So whatever is in your heart, your mouth is going to speak out. So if you're dealing with something and you don't believe it's going to change, your mouth will speak that. Your mouth is going to give you away to people. However you're dealing with that situation, you're going to speak that out. However you're dealing with that in your heart, whatever you believe in your heart is going to come out. It's like I tell my kids, I've told this kids this for the last 10 years, whether they're youth kids or my own kids. I said, I know what you're doing before you're doing it because I can see by your words and what your heart is, what you're doing before you do it. I know what you're doing because you can see it. Because their thought life is wrong and their mouth starts to speak it. Oh, I didn't mean that. Oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure you did. I'm pretty sure you meant that because you don't just say that as an off-the-cuff remark to people. You don't say that stuff when your mind is meditating on the Word of God. You say that when your mind is on something else. So David says, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, God. So we're going to go through situations. We're going to go through trials, tribulations, whatever you want to call them. But how you act, how you react in the situation is going to bring you through. It's going to determine your end for that situation. Uh, Mark 4, 4.17, it says this, So they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises, on account of the word, immediately they fall away. So what he's talking about, Jesus is talking about, is that when trials and tribulations are coming, how are you going to react to it? What he's saying is, when trials and tribulations come, he's talking about certain Christians that when They love the Word of God. They say, I'm a Christian. I love the Word of God. I go to church. I speak the Word of God. But when something comes up, it's a little bit of a persecution. It seems like a trial. seems like a tribulation. They immediately fall away. They immediately fall away and they stop doing what God has called them to do. Oh yeah, I'm a Christian. I love God. And then something comes up. Nope, can't. Nope, not going to do it. This is what I'm going to do. I can't. Nope, I'm not going to go to church anymore. I'm not going to read the Bible anymore. God says that I'm with you. I'll never forsake you. But people don't believe that. So when a little bit of persecution arises from, you know, someone says, "Well, you know, I don't believe the way you believe," and they start to hound them and start to persecute them. Or when you're going through a trial, and it's like, nope, now I guess I just don't believe it. Because you know what? I don't see any results. I don't see the fruit of what God said He was going to do, so I guess He's just not going to take care of me. James 1 says this, James, the servant of God and the Lord Jesus, the anointed one, to the twelve tribes of Israel who are spread across the earth, I send you my warmest welcomes. 
Don't run from tests and hardships, brothers and sisters. As difficult as they are, you will ultimately find joy in them. You will, if you embrace them, your faith will blossom under pressure and teach you true patience as you endure. The true, the true patience, excuse me, patience brought on by endurance will equip you to complete the long journey and cross the finish line. Mature, complete, and wanting nothing. If you do not have all the wisdom you need for this journey, then ask God who has it. And God will grant all that you need, giving to you lavishly, for He never scolds you for asking. There was a little commentary I, when I was using the scripture. There was a little commentary that came with it, and I really liked it. It says this, it says, Wisdom, as James understands it, is the ability to live life well and make good decisions. Wisdom doesn't come from old age or hard knocks. Wisdom begins with knowing and depending absolutely on God, who is never stingy when it comes to wisdom for those who seek it. He supplies all wisdom when needed, when we need it, when we ask. But when we try to go it alone without God, trouble is around the corner. The key is that your request be anchored by your single-minded commitment to God. So where is your focus when you're going through that? What is our focus? What are we looking to? Paul talks about that we're running a race. Runners don't look, don't run like this. They look ahead. They look towards the end. Uh, Sarah's friend Mandy, her husband ran the Boston Marathon. I can never do that. Don't ever plan on doing that. That's a long way to run. But he doesn't focus on two steps in front of him. He focuses three miles ahead of him, focuses on four miles ahead of him, five miles. He's not looking towards two steps. He's looking towards the end. And this commentary says, James, wisdom as James understands is the ability to live life and make good decisions. Live life well. So, when we're going through those trials, when we're going through those tribulations, James says it produces something in us. It produces something great in us. You guys ever gone through a situation and, and the first time and it's like, man, I just don't know what to do. I'm, I'm stuck. And then a couple years later you go through a similar situation you mean, like, I know, I know what to do. I've got wisdom to do this. I know what God is calling me to do in this situation because you've dealt with it. God gives you wisdom when you go through things if you seek it. So how you're going to end, how your situation is going to end, is how you react. Use God's wisdom in that situation. How you want your situation to end is how you're going to act through that situation. What you're going to say during that situation, how you're going to believe, where your heart is. But then the, the commentary says this. It says it's the key is that your request be anchored in the single-minded commitment to God. When we make our request known to God, God, give me wisdom to go through this situation. God, give me understanding to go through this situation. God, give me peace to go through this situation. We may not be able to get the understanding while we're going through this situation, but God can give you an overwhelming amount of peace when you're going through that. And you can say, you know, I don't know how it's going to end. I don't know what's going to happen, but I've got the peace of God that overwhelms me, overtakes my life, and I'm not worried, I'm not afraid, I ain't scared, I don't know what's going on, 
But God's peace is overwhelming me. And I know that when I go through this situation, that my words, my heart, my mind are going to be focused on Christ. They're going to be focused on the end of the race. But how you go through the situation determines how you get out of the situation. Look to God and say, you know what, God? I need your wisdom. I need your joy. I need your peace. Make that request known to Him and say, God, I'm going through hell right now, it feels like. But I know that you're going to take care of me. God has given us the ability and the right to access Him. The right to access what He contains and what what heaven has. And He says, you know what? If you need peace, ask me for peace. If you need joy, ask me for joy. If you need long-suffering, I'll give you joy and peace through that. You know, it talks about in the... in um, I can't remember where it is. I think it's Ephesians, if I remember. Paul talks about the thorn in his side. And everybody's like, oh, it was a, it was a, it was a physical ailment. It was a physical ailment that was a thorn on Paul's side. I don't think it would have talked about a physical ailment I think it would have said Paul was physically sick if it was a thorn in his side. I believe what Paul was going through was a situation where there was somebody, when Paul was traveling preaching the gospel, there was someone who was going through and trying to uproot the work that he had planted. If you look at a lot of Bible commentary, it talks about how Paul was going through planting churches. And what was happening is, when he was planting churches, the other uh, religions in those areas were coming and trying to destroy them. And Paul had a thorn in his side. And Paul was going through that situation, but Paul knew what the end of the situation was like. That thorn in his side was a, was a momentary, fleeting thing, not something that was long-lasting. Because he knew what God was going to do for him. He knew what God had brought him from, brought him through, and was going to see at the end of that. Because he made his request known to God. He was rooted and grounded in God. So how you go through your situation, what you do during that situation, when you go through that trial and that trouble, what you say, what you believe, what you speak, out of your mind, will control the way you go through that. James talks about how the tongue is, can destroy a lot of things. How you speak, what you speak over your life will destroy or bring life. So when you speak, when you're going through that situation, what are you speaking? Are you speaking the Word of God? Or are you speaking discouragement, doubt, fear over your life? 